Oh, living the good life. You guys like the good life? You've heard about that before, the good life? Sounds like something that uh, we'd all like to have, but we're not so sure about it. What is it? What is the good life anyway? You hear about the good life. For most people, they think uh, it's chasing things like um, cars, houses, money, vacations, all sorts of trips, drugs, alcohol, clothes, food, entertainment, sports, bodybuilding, <laughs> just name it. Name all that stuff. That's the good life. Um, but anyway, you know, it goes on and on. The sad reality, though, to that is that that's not the good life. And you don't necessarily love life like that because it's just good for a few moments or a day or a week if you have a vacation or what have you. Um, it's like a moment's pleasure. It's a, just a little bit of a high. Uh, that falls short of what uh, lasting love of life truly is and goodness. And uh, you might remember the guy in the Old Testament by the name of Solomon. And you think of that guy, and you would have thought, well, he lived a good life because he had it all. And we were talking about this uh, Monday night, and kind of offshoot on that a little bit. You think of Solomon, he had incredible wealth. Nobody's been as rich as Solomon. Probably had as many things to do as as this man. Uh, He was a believer. But, uh, you know, he had houses, he had chariots, he had horses, he had women, he had land, he had power, he had fame, he had everything. The Queen of Sheba, you remember that uh, she came and, and visited uh, Solomon and saw all that, uh, that he had possessed. She was staggered. This is the Queen of Sheba. She was so, so staggered that as she saw his power and his riches and everything, it says in Second Chronicles 9.4 that she was breathless. I mean, she got the breath knocked out of her whenever she really realized how much power and wealth and fame and everything that he had just took her breath away. But was he content? No. He wasn't content at all. There, I need one of these. <laughs> if we need any more, we've got them here. <laughs> Help yourself. But did he love life? No, he didn't. Matter of fact, let's turn to Ecclesiastes. We're supposed to be in First Peter, but this should set us up, hopefully, for First uh, Peter tonight uh, by turning to the book of Ecclesiastes. Go to chapter uh, chapter four, verse two. Psalms, Proverbs, what? Ecclesiastes. And there in chapter 4, this is what Solomon has to say about this. This is uh, amazing. I congratulated the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still living. But better off than both of them is the one who has never existed, who has never seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. Boy, that's upbeat, isn't it? That's that's sad. He congratulated the dead. He thought it would be better after all of what he had uh, been involved with at, at that time before he... You know, it's not the end of the book here yet, but uh, that's the way that he kind of viewed it. Um, did he love life? Well, Ecclesiastes 2.17 tells us, So I hated life, for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me, because everything is futility and striving after wind. Ecclesiastes, the writer here, Solomon's telling us that it was all futile. It was be- You're better off dead. Matter of fact, you're better off if you'd never been born. Now, he hated life, and he had everything that he could possibly have had. And he started off with God's wisdom. You remember that. And then anything that he wanted, he could get. And he did. He tried it all. And you'd think, well, that should have pleased him. And it was just passing moments that went through. Uh, a man that should have had been living the good life. What a great example that would have been. But the thing is, is all these things are just things. And he says he hates life as a, as a result of that. I think people in our society ought to listen to this wise one, Solomon, he did have it all. If anybody ever had it all, it was him. If he had been living in our day, he would have had a whole fleet of BMWs. 
<laughs> I mean, he would have had villas and ranches and magnificent homes, huge bank account that banks probably couldn't even contain all his money. You can imagine all the investments that he would have and such, and all the women that he would could ever have. And he says, I hated life. And he was a believer. That's what's amazing. But we as Christians really should love life. First of all, we know where life comes from, don't we? It's all, all from God. Just the breath that we just took there came from Him. Um, we've been granted a tremendous legacy. I mean, just amazing things of what He has granted us. But how does it become a reality? How does this good life really become a reality as we, we look at in Scripture? How do we see good days? You ever heard of that? People walk up to you and say, Have a good day. <laughs> we just say that all the time. Right? Have a good day. Hey, I said it a lot. Have a good day. Good day. What's a good day? Um, I've got a feeling that, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty confident that many of us, maybe all of us, maybe a few of us, I don't know, don't really love the way that we're living or life right now the way that we should. Just not, doesn't seem right. There are certain elements in your life that you just don't love. Whatever that may be. Maybe a lot of different elements. Um, matter of fact, there are some who just they take their life because they don't have any other answers. So they just take it. And that's how much they hate it. I'm sure Solomon had even probably thought about that. But um, you can have a lot of good days, but you don't have non-stop good days. You know, there's always... A bad day. Anybody ever had a bad day? <laughs> I was just talking to Vic and Nondor there. What a what a day they had. Always something that that's uh, really odd or strange or catastrophic. Just different things that that pop up and during the day or at any time of our lives. So I think it's really essential to um, think about this. And realize that as Christians, we can have the good life. The life that uh, is presented in Scripture anyway. I think there's a real important point here. So if, if Solomon couldn't get it together, can you imagine anybody of the world that does not have any belief in God or anything? They may look like they're having fun or have a lot of money or they can do this and they can do that. But do you, have you ever heard of a rich man who was really happy because of the money that he had? No, he wanted the next million dollars or whatever he could get. You know, He wanted more because he's, they're never content. So to understand that we're, uh, what we're talking about here, when, when we're thinking about Peter and who he's writing to, he's writing to believers, right? And... Those guys really had quite the challenges that were in their lives right there at that time. And they were failing to love life in a lot of areas. And as we can do also, not love it, um, we don't see a lot of good days. At least we don't feel that we do. Uh, In the case of the readers to whom Peter's writing to, and uh, you can turn to these passages or just listen to what they say. In chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I recognize you have been distressed by various trials. That was true, right? They were going through it. It wasn't easy. Chapter 2, verse 11, he says, You are strangers and aliens and you're fighting fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. You're living in a hostile environment. You're a Christian living amongst people who are not, amongst pagans. And verse 20 and 21, that same chapter, you're going to have to suffer. That's the nature of the Christian life in an ungodly environment. In chapter 3, verse 14, he reminds them again, if you should suffer for, you should suffer for the sake of righteousness. You're, you're blessed if you do. <laughs> 
you're blessed, blessed if you suffer for the sake of righteousness. Verse 15, again, he reminds them of their suffering. Verse 17, he reminds them of their suffering. In chapter 4, verse 1, that's the next chapter, he reminds them again of their suffering. Down in verse 12, he says, Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing. And in verse 19, he speaks about their suffering. And in chapter 5, verse 8, he tells them that the devil is after them like a roaring lion. In verse 10, he reminds them again of their suffering. Now this is Peter, the apostle, who's telling them this news. And don't be surprised if things don't go your way. There is suffering in this life, believer or unbeliever. The believers have a way to get through it. So here are a group of people as far as circumstances are concerned, I think understandably we could say, yeah, I understand why they're not loving life. Peter's going to try to take care of that a little bit. If you really mean to love life, how many would love to love life, right? Everybody here would love that. And if you mean to see good days in spite of anything that comes along, now we're going to head for the good news. You guys ready? This is the formula that we're, that we're looking at in the text tonight. Dealing with good days. Uh, living the good life. Because we all love that, right? And it, it's right there. It's right here. And Peter uh, will tell us. He's going to start with attitude. And then he's going to get into the aspect about giving blessings to people who don't deserve it who might treat you very rough. And then he's going to tell us that we're to live according to the Word of God, which is a quote out of the Old Testament. Then he's going to close it all up and give us a motivation for all of this. So that's what's in our text tonight in chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. And hopefully this can be very, very rewarding for all of us because we'd like to have real good days. Let's, uh, let's have a word with the Lord. Father, thank You for Your truth. Thank You for who You are. Thank You for being a holy God, a great God, a good God, a God who desires for us to have the thinking, the kind of attitude that that we'd realize how good You are and what a true good life is, what a true good day is. And if we start with You and focus upon uh, the very person of Christ, by the power of Your Spirit, Lord, uh, we can make these truths that we look at tonight come to life in our own lives. And we can start seeing what a, a real good life is about. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, let's, uh, let's read verses 8-12. through 12. Half of it is what Peter is saying, uh, summing, summing up, and then to back that up and to give us uh, some push for all this is an Old Testament quote. So he uses the authority of the Word of God. Of course, all of this is. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days. That's our highlight right there. Okay. Must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Why? For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Alright, attitude. Starts with our attitude. Starts with our thinking. Um, He says, to sum this up, they think, okay, we're at the end of Peter now. We're right at the end of the book. I'm going to sum all this up. But we're not. We're still somewhere about halfway. So we've got a long way to go yet in Peter. But the idea is, say, I'm going to package this together here. And he wrote one word in Greek to mean that. It means the final point. The final point to what, what he's been talking about. 
So uh, the word is telos. And telos is the end or the summation or coming to a, a completion. But it's not the end of a letter. But it's the end of a current discussion that he's been dealing with that started way back in chapter 2, verse 11. You remember this? After he told them that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellency of Him. We've been called out of darkness into light. All of that. He gets them to verse 11. And he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. He knew that there were going to be temptations. He knew that they were already battling this stuff. And you're aliens, you're foreigners here in this world. Because your real home is actually in the heavens. Right? That's really where our home is. But you, you have to hang out here for a little while. It's a momentary time. Right? It's just momentary compared to eternity. And so in the meantime, he says, okay, don't do as they do. You abstain from the, the flesh lust. All that, that goes along with the all the wrong kind of desires. That's a war. It's a war on your soul. So we covered a week on that. Um, but it started at that verse. And it's gone all the way up here to chapter 3, verse 11. The good life basically is attached to not what you possess, it's not what you have. And that's what most people think is the good life. You can get anything you want. Like Solomon. That would be a good life. What would Solomon say about it? It's about your attitude. This is where the good life starts. Here's the secret. If only the world could have this unleashed on them. They may not like it. As a matter of fact, you guys might not even like this tonight. But I think it's rather impacting for us. This word that is dealing with, or when, when you think of attitudes, it's how you approach life. Uh, it's how you think. What are you thinking? And of course, if we're thinking on the things of God, then it gets things into perspective. Or are you thinking about yourself and how bad things go and how things are wrong and everything's all out of whack? What do we do? Well, we start thinking about God's Word. Well, first thing that Peter starts off with, he says, okay, all of you, be harmonious. He starts off with that. Now, he's been focusing upon the Lord all the way through there. Now he says, okay, you know the Lord, and you know where you're supposed to start your thinking at. Now, here's where your actions come in, or, first of all, your thought pattern. You be of one mind. Harmonious is thinking about one mind. The word is made up of two Greek words. Homophron. And homo means same, right? Fron is dealing with the mind or thinking. It's one thinking. Same thinking. The same kind of thinking. When you put people together in a room like this, we want to be like-minded, right? Thinking the same way. Of course, it's all based on this. So it starts off with a harmonious group of people. Evidently, they might have had some difficulty with their harmony. Because Peter says, this is what you need to do to get this good life. You need to start off with being uh, united together, thinking the same thing. So it has to do with thinking. I can think of um, Philippians chapter 2. It's all over the New Testament, Old Testament alike. Um, but this is quite like what we're talking about. In Philippians 2, 2, make my joy complete. Paul says, make my day. <laughs> By being of the what? Same mind. Same thing we're talking about. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So being one, har uh, harmonious. Uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. There's that thinking again, that mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Boy, that'll turn the world upside down, won't it? They don't think of that. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he says, have this attitude 
in yourselves and he points them to Christ and talks about the humility of Christ so he's talking about humbling self um, being harmonious with others um, thinking of themselves more highly uh, so it has to do with, with thinking and I think unity is prized in the church you know, unity is a big thing among uh, God's people what's the next word? sympathetic sympathetic sum patheus and I have the Greek words right here because a lot of these words will be something that we're familiar with in the English that's why I put them there not trying to uh, teach new languages here but um, it's very helpful sum means together with and patheus is dealing with even suffer it's the idea of suffering with if somebody is hurting you suffer along with them. That kind of goes along with the harmonious thing. So you want to have a good day. You want to have a good life. Be harmonious. Be sympathetic towards people. It, it's the idea of having a fellow feeling. When they're not feeling so good, whatever things might be overcome, kind of share with them in that. You may be feeling a lot better than they are, but um, I think it's a good thing whenever we can uh, suffer along with each other. Have the, the pathos. Uh, and that's an English word that comes out of the Greek. Having a fellow feeling with them. Um, I think it's tragic whenever the church starts pulling back and back, so far back from the world that they forget about all the different things that people are going through who are not believers and you know, the world is going to sin, you know. Obviously they are. But the church can turn inwardly and be a subculture that is inward focused to its own self and just more or less just forgets about the the world. And we have to remember that they're fallen. Humanity is fallen. We were fallen. And if it weren't for what the Lord has done for us, we'd be in the same place. So we should be marked out like we have a Savior and the Savior was what? What kind of a high priest was He? A sympathetic high priest. He knew what we went through. Boy, did He ever share the feelings, right? So sharing sharing with others there. So it's, it's going from the inward to the outward here. Uh, harmonious, Sympathetic. What's another word? Brotherly. Uh, do some of you have brotherly love, or just brotherly? Brotherly love. It's it's the word Philadelphia. There you go. Yeah. My my version has brotherly, uh, but it's Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. And if you go there. You watch a baseball game, you'll see the exact opposite being exhibited there. They used to boo the kids in Philadelphia uh, whenever they would uh, hunt Easter eggs. <laughs> they boo everybody there, at least they used to. Anyway, uh, brotherly love. First Peter one we've, we've seen this word before. Peter kind of hits on it quite a bit. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. There's your Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Fervently love one another from the heart. Fervently. Fervently. So all these things, we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the fruit of the Spirit. But sometimes we don't let that fruit extend out, right? So... Um, it extends way beyond. Just remember, Christ is the one who qualifies us to be able to do that because what does He do? He sheds His love abroad in our hearts. What's another word here? Kind-hearted. And um, there's a Greek word that deals with a, uh, tender-heartedness, uh, feeling it in the bowels, deep into the innermost person. 
I mean, this is the, the inward part. The Greeks, the Hebrews, they used to use that. And it was really the place of affection. The seat of affections. The seat of emotions. Where you really uh, have this love of feeling for others and having the emotion set on and feel uh, all the way down into the, the inwards. Deepest human emotion. Boy, this is this is a picture of Christ. Some of this stuff is really kind of difficult, you know? But he says, be this way, and you can be it because you have the Spirit of God in you to do all this. And so he uses another one, humble in spirit. And that closes out verse 8. And the word there has the word fron in it, which is thinking, and it means to think lowly, to lower oneself. Again, it's dealing with esteeming others as higher and dying to self, uh, meek, humble-minded. I would say, dare I say this, this is probably, maybe, very well possible, the most essential of all the Christian virtues. Humility. And it's an elusive thing. I imagine you probably heard about the guy who got the award for being the most humble. And he, they had to do something about it. The reward, it was a badge. And he wore it every day. And they had to take it from him. <laughs> just when you think you have it, you just lost it. Humble in spirit. Oh, I remember that song. That's right. Back in the 70s. Might be the 60s. <laughs> so, all these virtues really are wrapped up in one person, Christ. This is really the ultimate where we see that. But if we are in Christ, as He says that He is holy, right? Be holy, for I am holy. And now Peter, in his same letter, is telling us to be all of these things here. That's a lot. He says, you want, to have a, you want to have a good life? This is where it starts. Wow. Now, it even gets more difficult. Verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Verse 9. Uh, not returning evil for evil. Evil is the word kakos. And it's a bad disposition. A very bad disposition. <laughs> the Lord says, vengeance is... Yeah. I will repay, says the Lord. You don't have to take that burden of trying to get back at them. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. You leave all that equity, all that, all the matters out there that need to be taken care of, you leave that to me. You just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you can go back. Go into Proverbs. Proverbs, Book of Wisdom, right? has a lot to say about this. New Testament does too. It's all over Scripture. But it's a hard thing to do because the very first thing you want to do usually when somebody has done something very bad to you is... Get them right back. And God says, no. You don't have that option. You can't do that. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will save you. Chapter 24, verse 29. Do not say, Thus I shall do to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. God will take care of it. If you really trust God, if you really believe God, it says just let it bounce off of you. Let him deal with it. You don't have to get back at anybody. You can think of all the bad things they've done with you, and you can think of all the things in your mind, and and start going back and think of all the things that they've said and done, and you're ready to attack. And he says, don't worry about it. I got it. I got your back. That's kind of nice. All the worry is gone. He'll take care of it. 
That's trusting in God. That's a hard thing to do. First Peter, he's already said this, 23. The nature of man loves to revile back. <laughs> Some people are very good at it. I mean, they're very witty, you know. But that's not God's way. And while being reviled, this is Jesus, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. There's the pattern that Jesus set. And that's what our life is about right there, Jesus. Did you read that last phrase? If you get nothing else in this message tonight, right here. Kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. That's what our lives are about. Peter's got pretty practical stuff, doesn't he? All throughout this book. He done a lot of really good doctrine, but that um, that word for insult, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, it um, means to rail. Uh, means to speak evil. No, so we've gone from an action of evil, getting back at somebody, you know, maybe... I'll take care of them. You go out and slash their tire, you know. There's an action. Uh, here's a guy right here that'll just rail back at them. Uh, with, so it's dealing with the verbal realm now. Dealing with the mouth and what it can do. So the actions and, and uh, you know, you look back and say, boy, that, having that attitude is where everything is at. That's where it all starts. An attitude of peace and attitude of sympathy, an attitude of compassion, attitude of love, attitude of humility. Whatever that person did, they need the Lord. Or if they do know the Lord, well, they need to know what His truth is. Lord, uh, you, you know, do what uh, you're going to do. Um, you know, there are certain people that are really hard to upset. You could just rail at them. You could do all sorts of nasty things at them. And if they're doing these things here and they have an attitude of of harmony and sympathy and brotherly love and kind-heartedness and humble in spirit, you know what? It just bounces off. And they really are not... They're they're kind of concerned maybe for that person, but they don't really take it... How can they say? Um, personally? It's a kind of job uh, of God that can uh, work with them. When uh, people are persecuted, treated unkindly, unjustly. People can be very hostile on them. No vengeance. No hostility back. Not retaliating verbally. We could think of all things to do. We could go back to our former selves and say, ah, why do that? First Corinthians, uh, Paul had a lot to say about that because the Corinthians were dealing with this kind of stuff. That was a Corinthian church. That, those were the bad guys. <laughs> it's the same today, isn't it? First Corinthians 4.12 And we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, what did Paul and the apostles do? We bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Next chapter. We'll make it real easy. Chapter 5, verse 11. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with such a one. Okay. A reviler. That's, that's the one that has the insults. Go to chapter 6, verse 10. Again, same thing. Talking about the kingdom of heaven. He talks about fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, all those people. Thieves, covetous, oh, drunkards, nor revilers. Now he puts them in with the same group as the fornicators and idolaters and the adulterers and the effeminate and the homosexual and the drunkards and the revilers in that same group. If one practices reviling, if that's their lifestyle, or swindlers, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Boy, that's a statement, isn't it? It's in that same batch. So, again, insults. It's not the style of our Lord, is it? He says, okay, I don't want you to be 
insult. And I want you to fill it out with something else. See, God always, whenever He wants to take something from you, He wants to fill in the gap. And to fill in the gap, here's what we do. You lageo. Or eulogy. Does that sound a little familiar? Has anybody ever heard a eulogy at a funeral? That means to speak a good word. To give a good word. To say something good about somebody. Give them a blessing. That's the idea. That's that's the word there. Eulogeo is the word. How do you do that? How do you do this stuff? You've got to be kidding me. This this is impossible. Matthew 5.44 Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes in and upsets everybody with this Sermon on the Mount. And He starts saying things like in 43, You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard that. God never told them to hate the enemy. did say to love your neighbor. But they had added a little more to it and said hate your enemy. But I say to you, the Word of God doesn't change. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love them and pray for them. That's the Christ-like way. Wow. Why would we want to do that? Well, so that you may be sons of Father who is in heaven. There's a good one. The Father who is in heaven. Note that phrase. Every time that you read about the Father, you'll notice that a lot of times from here on out, Gospels or whatever, the Father who is in heaven. I think of the great prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Anyway, quite remarkable. We know about that. I think what would be a blessing would be loving somebody unconditionally. That means loving them when they don't deserve it. Did that happen to us? Uh, another one is that pray for them. We already saw that. We're to love our enemy and pray for our pers- persecutor's salvation. Pray for our leaders who are maybe very anti-God. Pray for them. Pray for the salvation. Matter of fact, be thankful for them because where did they get their lives? Who brought them into this world? There was a reason. So be thankful. And speak well of them. They give you um, maybe an insult. Find some way some way to speak highly of them. So that That's a twist, isn't it? Return praise for the pain that they may give you. <laughs> now you got to like this next phrase. Giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Boy, everything seems to be opposite. We've already seen in Peter where he says we were called to suffer. Now we're called for this purpose, actually, to inherit a blessing, but also to give a blessing, regardless of what the circumstances. You were called. That's your election to salvation. You're calling it right there. Peter's already talked about election quite frequently. You were called to salvation. It was a free gift, right? Uh, You must have done something to earn that, didn't you? No. You hated God. You were enemies. We were dead. He gave us free gift. And He forgave us. It was a gift without merit. Nothing here new, is there? <laughs> Think about what He did. That's, he, and He wants us to be like Him. Yeah, but... but Yeah, but... You don't know what they've done to me. You were elected by God that you'd have a blessing. You should be saved. And all the blessings. Peter's already mentioned all the things that go along with that. But to be freely given a blessing from God without merit. God didn't take vengeance on us. And we offended Him highly. So when we might be offended by somebody else, give a free gift to them. Give them forgiveness. Give them a blessing. That's the point. 
So the good life is really not what you have on the outside. The good life, (coughs) harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil, giving a blessing. Wow, that's just really incredible. Is that upside down to the world? I know the pagans, back at this time when this was written, if you were to do anything that of humility really wasn't in their vocabulary. If you do something like that, you know how you would be considered? Weak. You know, when you hear the word meek, people think of weak. But actually, meek is a powerful word. And it's like uh, like a horse being controlled. You know, it has bridles and reins and you the, the bit in its mouth and such. There's a lot of power there, but he's held in control. Who knows what that horse could do? And that's that's being uh, an idea of the word meek. So how we respond on the inside. What did we start off with our outline here? Our attitude. And I've got this give blessings and not retaliation. That would be dealing with how we respond. So if you have the attitude that you know what you're supposed to do, regardless of your feeling, then we respond by doing this. Giving a blessing like Jesus did for us. Wow. Nothing new here at all, is there? But it's rather profound how Peter puts us together. If we're to love life, if we're to have the good life, now what we're going to do is look at the authority of our lives. And what Peter does, he says, okay, I've given you some pretty hard terms here, but I'm going to back it up. I'm going to back everything that i said with the Bible. They didn't carry around New Testaments at that time, so what, Peter, what is Peter going to draw from? The Old Testament. And now he does a quote in verses 10 through 12. It's basically what we've just been talking about, but he draws right out of Psalm 34. The one who desires life to love, life to love, loving life. And I got a feeling a lot of times we haven't really felt like loving life. <laughs> you know, when the days are kind of tough. And see good days, have a good day. <laughs> you want to see good days? You want to love life? Keep your tongue from evil, lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Alright, let's turn to Psalm 34. Let's get the whole context of that Psalm 34. And I'll tell you what, I think your attitude will start changing immediately if you really listen to what this says or read what this says. This is so good. And you've probably heard it many times, read it many times, or heard verses out of this. This is so good. Does somebody want to read the whole psalm? Psalm 34. I said psalm, right? I'll do it. Fire away. So David, when he came to David before he went away, I will bless the Lord at all times. His grace shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to me, to Him, are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking with peace. Turn away from evil and do good. 
seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cries. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the oppressed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Do you guys uh, take refuge in that Word of God that was just given there? Isn't that beautiful? I will bless the Lord at all times. I love that. That's what we desire to do. Praising Him continually, right? Boasting in the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt His name together, right? It just keeps building up. This is the right attitude. This is the way things will get set. This is the good life. And He even says in one of the verses there, Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Well, it's this one who comes to the Lord and fears the Lord in in that proper way. And uh, when we look to Him, it says in one of the verses there, we're radiant. This is it. This is where it's at. This is the good life here when we uh, are pursuing Him. And He says, how blessed is that man who takes refuge in Him. Taking refuge. Realize that maybe the circumstances are, are terrible, horrible. But Peter is drawing these three verses that he quotes out of this psalm. And you see the power that's in that whole psalm. Well, this is really good. I mean, it backs up everything that he has said. The one who desires life or to love life, the one who desires the good life, the real good life, you want to see good days, you base it on the right standard, the authority of the Word of God. The Old Testament brings in Psalm 34 here. You're living in a hostile situation, Peter says to them. Very hostile. Very difficult. You're wondering how much life can be even worse than what it is? Well, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. I'm telling you to live harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, with kindness, with humility. I'm telling you to never give insults back. Matter of fact, go one step further and do what? Bless them. And you're probably saying to yourself, this can't be true. You've got to be kidding me. It doesn't work that way. That just doesn't seem reasonable. No. None of the Word of God seems reasonable to the natural man. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. But to the ones who are converted, they start to realize, you know, His way is the best. (laughs) Every little detail. Uh, Desiring life and good days, he says right in verse 10, John 10.10 I will give you life and what? Life abundant. Not just give you life. Life and I mean real spiritual life. That's Zoe. It's not uh, it's not uh, bios. Bios is like biology, that kind of life. Biological life. But Zoe is godly life. The godly life. That's what life is. And then he says, keep your tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. The tongue, you know about that. Um, verse 11, here, here's our actions. So, speaking and doing. Turn away from evil. Do good. Go to, uh, go to Proverbs real quickly. And we'll... Not near the end of it here, but there's one part that is one of the best coming up, so I don't want to forget that. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You might think, hey, this is the way I want to go it. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. You'll get rewards. Rewards of having wisdom. Uh, while you're in Proverbs, talking about the tongue there. Uh, no, 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 no. Psalms. Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Boy, would that be a thing to do. 
Matter of fact, wouldn't be a bad way to start the day, would it? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How many times have we let that mouth go off when we really shouldn't have done it? Right? Next one, seek peace and pursue it. Has the idea of a constant condition. We're talking about a tranquility that's permanent. Not just here and there. It's talking about permanent. A permanent joy, a permanent happiness. That's the nature of our living. That that zoe that we have. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Right? And he says to do what? Seek it. Ziteo. And it's the strongest verb that can be in the Greek language for that. Seeking it out. I mean, truly seeking it hard. Seek peace. And he uses the word pursue it. And that means to hunt. To hunt for peace. You're not going to find it. You know, you have to hunt. When you go out hunting for deer or, or whatever in, in deer season, you know, you got to go out and, and uh, you've got to do usually a little bit of work do your homework on it. And, but you have to go hunt them. They're usually not going to come to you. They will uh, whenever it's not in season. They'll come right to your car. Might run into you. <laughs> well, here's the best part. We're going to close with this. It's verse 12. Here's our motivation for all of this. Sounds pretty hard, but then you know where you get your power? He said, I'd rather not do it this way, but I know it's right. And all you have to do is think of this one thing. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Now, one thing, and and what I can say is the negative way, (laughs) is the Lord is watching you. Whenever I was a kid, I was taught that in a sense, you, you know, you better not do that because I'll tell you, God sees everything you do. I may not see everything you do, but I'll tell you what, God does. Uh, well, it makes you think. Matter of fact, every time that we are getting ready to sin, if we just think that thought, it can really humble us pretty quick if we really are thinking on it. Oh, yeah, Lord is right here, isn't He? Oh, yeah. But on the positive sense, it's even better because He's always around us. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. Isn't it good to know that God is always around us? For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. What motivation is that? He might listen to our prayers. (laughs) He will. The answer is for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. They're upon us. God watches us. I think there was a song called that. God watches over you. Forget who did that. Um, the word for prayer there, it's kind of interesting. There's different words for prayer. And sometimes it's praising God. And we think of the, the high view of God and how He's the great King, the God of majesty and holiness. And you think of His attributes. And that that's a great way to start prayer. But there's a kind of prayer also that's called, it's a deasis, which means a petition or entreaty or a supplication. It's talking about our needs. Well, can we do that? Yeah. He wants to hear what our needs are. He said, well, doesn't He know? Yeah, He already knows. He already knows. He knows what you need, but He wants us to cry out to Him for those needs. God's watching over us. He's watching very carefully. And He says here that... For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears attend to their prayer. Isn't that positive? Isn't this great? This is what happens whenever we're following what He he wants us to do. He might immediately respond to the prayers. All you need to do is let the Lord know and He's ready to hear your prayer. He just can't wait. He's there just... He can't wait. He loves to hear our prayers. And after you're done, He says, come back soon. Always praying, right? 
What a tremendous promise. What a glorious truth. Do you believe that? That God is there, He's watching you, and He's there for you, and He wants to answer the prayers that are good for you. And uh, so I think that's a a great motivation. That's a great thought. Um, Can you go to Proverbs 5.21? I'm running short here. but I I definitely wanted to cover just enough of this to get, get our appetite going and... You heard all that stuff that uh, you're supposed to be doing, and if you get everything focused right, it can be done. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He watches all His paths. He knows it before you even do it or say it or think it. I'm glad that's the kind of God we have. He does have things in control. Look in Proverbs 15.3. That's good news. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. He sees it all. He knows it all. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Back near the end of the Old Testament. What did I say? 410? What do we have here? For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. He scans everything. I guess you want to put it on a human term. We know that. He sees it all. He knows all. He's everywhere. That's a great God. That's the only kind of God I'd want to worship because if He's any less than that, I don't want Him. I want a God who's in complete control even when it doesn't seem like it. And he closes it out. He gives the negative aspect. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears attend to their prayer. But then the ones who are not the righteous, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's interesting. Because he says the eyes of the Lord are upon His righteous, but the face of the Lord is against anyone that's not. That's like the visage of anger that he has. Turn back to Genesis 19.13 real quick. Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? Abraham, Lot, that whole ordeal. 19.13 of Genesis. For we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. That's the uh, the idea. He was destroying it. I mean, he was he saw and he knew what was going on there. When God becomes angry, I don't think we want to experience any of His anger, do we? His wrath. Uh, one last verse. Why not in Revelation? Right. That's the closing book. I, I promise. This is the last text. Revelation six. I, I think this tells it though. This tells it all. Six sixteen. You've probably heard this many times. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come and who is able to stand. They said, Fall on us rocks and hide us from the presence of Him. And they can get buried by all the rocks that He can be and God will still see them. The face of God. So our incentive is to live that the eyes of the Lord are on us and we like that. And He watches us and we know that and He meets our needs. Has He ever let us down? Never has, has He? Sometimes it seems like it. God, don't you, don't you hear? Don't you see what's going on? Can't you, why are you letting this happen? Do we live in a hostile world today? Yeah. We must live humbly. We must live with a forgiving heart. We must not retaliate. We must obey God's authority. We must be zealous for doing what is good. And who's going to harm us, really, when God sees our whole life and the condition? The worst they can do is make us go home to be with Him. He has this all under control. This is the real good life. This is the good life. We just saw it. 
what Peter gave here, all these other scriptures, uh, we can experience this. And it's that blessing that's, that we find in Peter in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, even if that happens, could be, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Like that? Whatever you're going through, you are blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your truth. You are a magnificent God. And there's so many things we don't understand. And You are a God that is far above this earth. You are the Father in heaven. And You have this totally in control. You made it. And You're going to see to it that it all comes out right. And You are doing that to us even right now as we speak. You're working in us. Working Your truth in us. Your Holy Spirit is stirring us up. And may we not only have this in our minds, but that we'd be able to do these things in our lives. May the Word of God be impacting on us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you guys for coming out.